wonderful opportunity this morning to begin worship with baptism. We have two coming today to be baptized, Drew Clancy and Brooklyn Carey, both children in our children's ministry who recently trusted Christ before Christmas and during that season and are now coming, letting you view and celebrate with them as they are baptized today. Drew, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Then based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. This is Brooklyn Carey. Brooklyn, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Then based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. May we continue worshiping as we celebrate our own salvation and celebrate our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Colossians 3.16 encourages, well, let's take it a step further. It instructs us to sing to him with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making music to the Lord. Let's stand together as we come, Christians, and join to sing. Amen.
Lord, even in the midst of our worst days, we can look to you and find something to be thankful for. You're amazing, God, Lord. And we pause today from our busy lives to proclaim your glory, your greatness, your amazing love for us. Lord, you are such a good father. So many people in this world don't know what a good father is. They've experienced very difficult experiences day to day, being raised in a home without a father, maybe. Or maybe they've lost a father. Lord, you are the, the father of all fathers. We thank you that you love us no matter what happens. We thank you, God. Oh, Lord, we praise you today as we sing.
Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the love you have for us, Lord. And first, we thank you for these two that were baptized in your holy name this morning, Lord, that you just take them and use them for your glory, Father. We thank you for the love that you have for us, that you gave your only begotten Son to die on the cross for me in place of me, Father. And we thank you for that. We thank you for so many things that you've done for us in our lives, Lord, how you've graced us and you've shown us your your mercy to us, Lord, and we thank you for that. And we pray, Father, that you would be with Brother Stewart as he brings forth the message that you've given him this morning, that today someone's heart will be touched and they give their life to Jesus Christ. We ask that you just bless the gift that you've given so much to us as we return it back to you, Father. We thank you and love you. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. <clears throat>
God will. That's what we've been talking about for several weeks now as we continue through this series called God Will. And uh, in preparation for next week, just want to let you know about something. You see it on the front of your worship guide this morning. But next Sunday morning during the sermon time, uh, we're going to be hosting a friend of mine, Charles Hott. Uh, I was Charlie's pastor in Forestburg. But uh, Charlie's story is fascinating. A great story of God's grace and redemption of what God did through him. Back in the uh, 1970s, Charlie and one of his business partners owned uh, the majority of the profitable gay bars in Dallas, Texas, with additional bars in El Paso and Houston. Uh, Their business grew to be about a $20 million business in the 1980s, or early 1980s, um, through a series of events with God continuing to pursue Charlie and confronting him with his sin of homosexuality and sin of a love of money. Uh, God got his attention. And in 1982, uh, Charlie uh, trusted Christ as his Savior, joined First Baptist Church of Dallas, sold the bars, and then moved to Chicago where he uh, enjoyed a 20-year career on the Chicago Board of Trade before moving back to uh, Ralston, Texas, which is another little community beside the little community of Forestburg, uh, in 2003, which is the same year I became pastor at Forestburg. And uh, I became an accountability partner for Charlie during that time. Uh, we met almost weekly for lunch where we would talk about what was going on, any struggles he'd had. I got to get to know him very well, and I wanted him to share his testimony and story For many years, but he never had really before in a public forum until last fall when he shared during chapel at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He sent me a link of the video and I said, you've got to come to our church and share this testimony. It is so timely for where our culture is, the struggles that are there. Some of you may be having struggles with with members of your family who are, are dealing with homosexuality or transgender, not to mention love of money. And so Charlie will be here next Sunday morning sharing his testimony. During the worship hour. And then after that, uh, we're going to have a Q&A lunch with Charlie uh, for anyone who's interested. Now, uh, during the service, we'll have a special children's church. Uh, not that anything's really graphic, but there may be uh, just definitions you don't want to define yet. And the same can be true in the Q&A time. There's going to be a, a meal for children if you want to RSVP for that. But they'll be uh, removed from that luncheon. Um, but you can RSVP to Katie Robertson in our church office. Katie, where'd you go? She's down here. Katie, raise your hand over here. Um, you can do that. We're getting box lunches, so we need to have a definite count this week uh, of that. But you're going to want to be here. You're going to want to invite some people to come. Uh, we've done press releases to get the word out. Uh, I think it could be a very timely and helpful thing for all of us as we encounter culture these days. So join us next Sunday morning as Charlie comes to share with us. We've been journeying through this series, God Will, and we've said God will provide, God will guide, God will dwell, and today we consider the truth that God will fulfill. And we can see this truth of God will fulfill illustrated in God's work through Solomon in Second Chronicles as well as God's work in our own church. And so this message has a dual purpose this morning. On the one hand, it continues the series of God will, but on the other hand, it is also our annual State of the Church address where we get to update and celebrate what God's been doing in our church. Each year we look back and and we see at what God has done in the previous year. We look ahead at what God could be doing in the year to come. And so we want to begin this morning with the biblical truth and the story and the illustration in Solomon's life. And then we'll move into how that has fleshed itself out in our own church and we'll be able to celebrate what God's been doing in our church. Where well, our text for today is 2 Chronicles chapter 3, uh, chapter 6, verses 3 through 11. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 3 through 11. And as we pick up the story from where we were last week, uh, the people of Israel have gathered around the brand new temple. They've been worshiping there with trumpets and cymbals and all kinds of instruments, led by a 4,000-voice choir. They had this very loud and celebrative worship service, and then they all fell silent as the Shekinah glory of God descended on the temple. Thousands upon thousands of Israelites are are gathered all around. And King Solomon has been standing upon a a platform that was built there before the temple. He's been facing the temple as he gave praise to God and the Shekinah glory fell. But now he turns and addresses the people who are gathered all around 
and addresses them in their need to praise the Lord. We pick up the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 3. While the whole assembly of Israel was standing there, the king turned around and blessed them. And then he said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hands has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to my father David. For he said, Since the day I brought my people out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city in any tribe of Israel to have a temple built for my name to be there, nor have I chosen anyone to be the leader over my people Israel. But now I have chosen Jerusalem for my name to be there, and I have chosen David to rule my people Israel. My father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, because it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well to have this in your heart. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, who is your own flesh and blood. He is the one who will build the temple for my name. The Lord has kept the promise he made. I have succeeded David, my father, and now I sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised. And I have built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. There I have placed the ark in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with the people of Israel. I think it would be beneficial to underline two verses in this passage. The first is verse 4, where Solomon says, Who with his hands has fulfilled what he promised. Noting that God will fulfill. And then verse 10, where the Lord, where Solomon says, the Lord has kept the promise he made. And you might write in the margin of the Bible in this passage, God will fulfill. And that is a word we need to remember in our individual lives and in the life of our church. God will fulfill. You know, trusting God to fulfill his promises is not always easy. In fact, as much as the Bible talks about God's promises and God fulfilling his promises, and as much as that is celebrated, most humans in Scripture have a pretty difficult time trusting God to fulfill his promises. I mean, think about Abraham and Sarah. If any two people had a big outlandish promise to believe in, Abraham and Sarah had that. It's crazy to think that you'll be checking out preschools when you should be moving into a nursing home. But that was the case for Abraham and Sarah. And if that hadn't been enough, they were already old when God told them they were going to have a child. But then they had to wait 25 years for that child to even been born. So by then, they were through thinking about the nursing home. They were going out checking out cemetery plots and casket styles. But yet here comes a baby. And God fulfilled his promise. Abraham and Sarah struggled with their belief, but they did believe. And then they gave God praise when he did fulfill his promise. Now, I don't know if King David struggled with waiting for the temple, but I can't help but imagine that he did. He had to wait longer than Abraham and Sarah did. Now, maybe his promise wasn't as outlandish, but he still had to wait the rest of his life for the temple to be built, knowing that he wouldn't build the temple. He may not even see the temple built. He himself waited 30 years for the promise, and then he died. And then Solomon became king, and Solomon had to wait another 10 years before the promise was fulfilled. And yet all through that time, all through David's life, David believed God will fulfill. You know, it's hard enough to believe that God's going to keep his promise when you think you'll see it in your lifetime. But it's very difficult if it's a long way off and you think, I will probably not see this happen in my lifetime. How do you keep on believing God when you may never see it fulfilled? But even after David believed his entire life until his dying day. Then Solomon had to wait and believe that promise too. You know, Solomon had heard about the temple his entire life because God had given that promise to David before Solomon was ever born. And so from infancy, Solomon knew it would be his job to build the temple one day. 
I wonder if in his teen years, after hearing it every year, many times in his life, he was probably like, Dad, I know, my goodness, I've got to build the temple. And that was kind of maybe the attitude he had as he grew up with that. And then he thought, when will this ever happen? But it finally did. And Solomon celebrated the fact, saying, Praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hands has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to my father David. Solomon's praise is a reminder to us that when God does what he says he would do, we should take a moment to give him praise. We should give him thanks for what he's done. I think too often we treat God as somebody who should do. And so when he comes through, our attitude is, well, it's about time. Or our attitude is, oh, thanks, yeah. Or when he comes through, we don't even acknowledge the fact that he did come through. It makes you kind of ask, what's wrong with us? When God is so good, we don't praise and we don't pause to praise Him enough. Shouldn't we stop and at least say, wow, God, I prayed for six months for this. And you answered. You came through. Praise your name. You are a God who answers prayer. I've learned that I need to be consistent and continue to pray. You always answer. You always fulfill your promises. And that's what Solomon does here. He knew God will fulfill. And when God did, he celebrated it. Now, it's an enriching thing to remember the promises of God and then to give praise for the answer. Um, Last year this time, I started journaling again during my My quiet time. And one of the coolest things to do is to look back through your prayer journal and see where God has answered. I'd never really done that before until a friend of mine went to a conference last fall and said, hey, you ought to try that out. And so I took the end of the year and instead of journaling in my quiet time, I started reading back through my journal from last year, noting ways that God had answered prayers. And, you know, there were things in the journal that I saw that I'd prayed for that I'd forgotten. I had prayed about, but yet they were answered later on in the year. And it was amazing to say, whoa, God did that. And there were other things that I knew I'd prayed about maybe once, but then I saw I prayed about it two or three or four times throughout the year that were later answered. And it gave me reason to say, God, you are an amazing God. You do hear. You do answer prayers. And that helps for in those seasons when you think God's not answering and you think God's not going to fulfill. When you can look back and you say, I know right here that God did fulfill and it causes us to do And remember what Solomon said in verse 10, that the Lord has kept the promise he made. But there's something else that struck me as I studied this passage, and it's in verse 11, where Solomon says, There I have placed the ark, this is inside the temple, in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made the people of Israel. As I reflected on that verse, I thought about this. We have here a nation of Israel That is now living in the land that God had promised them. We have a temple built in that land that God had promised would be built. And we have within that temple an ark that contains God's covenant. His promise to always be their God. So God's promise with Israel is now housed within a promised building, within a promised land. Do you think God might be trying to say something? I think God was showing the people, I have fulfilled, I am fulfilling, and friends, if you ever doubt, I will fulfill. I'm going to keep my promises. You don't have to worry about it. What a wonderful reminder. As we consider the state of our church this morning, and that is that God will fulfill. As we embarked on last year, 2015, we had some faith challenges ahead of us. And our challenge was that we were going to build the church of God up physically and spiritually. At this time last year, we had an approved master plan. But there was no capital campaign. There was no money. There was no contractor. No work had been done. But over the last year, we've seen incredible things accomplished. 
For one, we gave over $600,000 towards making way last year. And the amazing thing about that, as you see on the screen, is that 44% of the original pledges have already been given, and the campaign is only 23% complete. Now, we know a lot of you gave all of your gift at the front end of the campaign, but what we've also heard from a lot of people is that they actually lowballed their pledge because they were hoping they could give more, but they weren't sure that they could. And they're telling us, hey, it's turned out we're able to give at a higher rate. So what we're hoping is, is that this trend will continue. And by the end of the campaign, we'll be far ahead of our original expectations. That is incredibly good news. God's being faithful to fulfill with the launch of Making Way, we started making immediate improvements to our facilities. And it's been an exciting year of physical transformation around the campus. To date, we have completed Project One, which was everything related to the activities building. And those renovations are getting great use now with our Upward Sports Ministry and people who were here last year for Upward and now here this year are noting the changes that have been made um, I don't know if you remember how ugly the snack bar bathrooms were, but we'll show some before and afters later on in the campaign. I just showed you the before of the snack bar and after the snack bar on this today. Everything's looking so good, and everyone's enjoyed the elevator. In fact, I wish, Thomas, we'd sold tickets for about the first month that the elevator was open because people were just riding it. Oh, I'm going to ride the elevator. That'll be $10. Thank you very much. But that's been a great addition to that building. And we're going to do some other things uh, with the activities building as we near the end of the campaign. We've got to replace a couple of ramps there. And then also we're going to build a, a more permanent stage in Fellowship Hall. But those projects will be completed over the next year. Then Project 2 included the exterior of all the education buildings. And that's almost complete. You've probably been seeing something's changing every week. All of the, the windows on the Cowley building have been replaced, the big units, and they're now working on uh, cleaning up and, and painting the stained glass windows there. The band around the top of it is being cleaned and repainted. Uh, all of the buildings have been power washed. The EFIS uh, stucco-like material has been repainted. Uh, a lot of work has been done to update the facilities. Project 3 uh, included uh, numerous interior renovations, and that's also nearing completion. Uh, our church office is updated and, and more welcoming as it now opens to the actual foyer where you come into the building. Uh, we, had, we gained an office in that renovation. Uh, our children in preschool areas have all been updated with uh, removal of all of the permanent carpets, so now we can replace rugs when they wear out and keep the place cleaner. Um, we have updated the women's restroom and the couch building it's expanded accessible more attractive i know ladies have been checking that out men our turn's coming very soon but right now ours is just a gutted mess but but it'll be up in a, a few weeks final plans are now being made for project four which is the sanctuary room uh, it's going to include uh, renovations throughout the building uh, we're making additions to the front of each side you see those highlighted in color on the on the drawing and what sticks out on either side are new restrooms uh, for men and women and then also a new usher groom's room and a new bride's room uh, each with its own restroom and then the current little bitty restrooms that we have are going to be converted to family restrooms so where a mom can take kids in or a dad can take kids in and, and it's just you in there and you've got plenty of room to to take care of the of the kids while you're um, needing to take them to the restroom uh, this room is also going to get new carpet new pews new paint uh, upgraded lighting upgraded sound um, the air handlers in the attic which are original to the building are going to get um, replaced and so everybody look up and go yay jesus <laughs> quarter of a million dollars in the attic but hey it's there just know it's there you won't ever see it uh, unless you go on the attic tour. And then um, there's, there's going to be a lot of other little updates. We're planning on uh, bumping the stage out to basically where these, these boxes come now. And then there'll be steps that sweep all the way across, making the platform more welcome and opening. Also providing a good place for us to be able to kneel when we have times of, of altar call and, and uh, prayer. Uh, we plan for all of the sanctuary renovations to begin after Easter. So we'll have Easter Sunday in here, and then we'll move out. And we're going to move over to the gym. And uh, we're planning for the gym worship to take place over there. And then we're going to also have overflow venues in the youth room, in the chapel, and down in Fellowship Hall as needed. All of those will be video link service spots. 
And so you'll be able to uh, go in those rooms if, if, the, if the gym fills up. Now, it's interesting to figure out how to pull off worship in the gym without spending any money on anything that we don't already need. But that's been our goal as we've planned that out. From the sound system to the seating to the video, everything we've had to do, we've tried to figure out how can we reuse this or is this in our current plan. And to date, everything except the the uh, posts that the speakers and video monitors are going to be mounted on, it's all going to be used somewhere else once we move out of worshiping in the gym. Oh. We also, uh, in 2015, built up our church by welcoming three new paid staff members. Katie Robertson joined us as our music and youth administrative assistant, and, and she's been a super addition. Works very hard, juggling two bosses, two extremely active ministries, and does it all with a big smile and an infectious laugh. And she just rolls, rolls with it. She's been a fabulous addition. Tyler Duchesne joined our staff as organist this past year, and you hear him every week in the addition he's made to our music ministry. We also uh, welcome Melvin Ford as a part-time custodian, and Mr. Melvin also is always smiling and enjoys being a part of the ministry of our church. And in addition to these paid staff members, we added two volunteer uh, student ministry interns, Josh Boyette and Wesley Ashbrenner, and they assist Ryan Smithy a great deal in our youth ministry, and it's been wonderful having them serve while getting valuable ministry experience. Uh, we also last year added a couple of ministries. And one of the things that we want to do is always be adding different ministries that impact our, our ministry in the area. We launched our team visitation, which includes four teams a month going out on Monday nights. And you've noticed in the publications that we're now recruiting to start that back up. It went very well last year. Those teams just agreed to go visit one Monday night a month. And they go out and they visit visitors to the church, new movers to our area, upward prospects, VBS prospects, any kind of people we discover that need to be visited. And that's been a wonderful addition to our ministry. We also launched our first at first business leader luncheon. Uh, Approximately 50 people are attending this monthly luncheon uh, on the first Monday of each month. And uh, our speakers have included Coach Mike McConathy from Northwestern, author Leo Honeycutt, Will Hall, the new editor of the Baptist Message, and others along with members of our own church like David Culp and Sandy Gillen who've offered very good presentations from their fields of expertise. And nearly every month someone says, I've been wanting to come, but my schedule hasn't allowed it yet, and I'm finally here. And so the the word is spreading and this outreach ministry is growing. Uh, We've also seen not only new ministries, but growing ministries. There are really too many to mention, so I want to just highlight a couple of things. One is our transportation ministry. Last year was our first full year of having the church bus, and to those of you who helped purchase it, thank you very much. We put over 10,000 miles on the bus last year, uh, senior adults, children, youth, everyone going uh, various directions, and it's made trips a whole lot easier for our people. I'm also pleased with the growth we've seen in our graded choirs, especially our youth choir. Uh, Last year, our youth choir got to travel to San Antonio to participate in the live recording of Generation Hymns 2. That's a shot of the choir they participated in at uh, Community Bible in San Antonio and um, with Tommy Walker. And uh, if you look closely at the picture, you can spot some of our kids. I'd encourage you to go to YouTube, search Generation Hymns 2. There's a whole uh, YouTube channel that has all the songs and and there's good close-ups of some of our students as as you watch those. Um, we're actually going to be presenting Generation Hymns 2 here. The choir, all of our graded choirs are going to be presenting that on Palm Sunday. And that whole weekend is actually going to be a, a great time that we'll be sharing with you about. But be looking for that. It's been a, a great bonding and leadership experience for, for all of us as we're looking forward to that. Our youth choirs also presented concerts in other churches in our region and going to continue to do that over the next year. Uh, Financially, we had our highest giving year in the 105-year history of our church. 
That is really amazing to think about. Uh, our total budget giving was uh, $1,298,782. We gave 607000 to Making Way, another 81000 to mission offerings, and then when you add in other funds and other gifts that have been given, total giving, $2,827,483, which breaks our previous highest giving year by $800,000. That is amazing. I want you to notice the trend of what's happened in giving. Thomas keeps up with all of these good stats and figures, so all I have to do is cut and paste into these kind of presentations. But you can see that uh, we were on a downward turn prior to 2008 when the bottom all uh, fell out, and and I got to come here as pastor. And um, from 2002, which isn't on the chart, but 2002 to 2008, um, total giving had fallen by more than $900,000, so almost a million-dollar decline in four years. Uh, 2008 was the lowest year, uh, lowest giving year since about 1981, um, which means it was way lower when you take in inflation. But 2008 then becomes our line in the sand year. So we kind of measure everything by then. It can't go any lower than this. If it does, we shut the doors. So what have we done since then? And you can see the trend. Um, the bottom line is budget receipts. The top line is total budget receipts. And you can see we are on a definite increase there for the last several years. Uh, since uh, 2008, our budget income has increased by 82%. Our total income has increased by... Um, I think I've typed wrong, so I'm not going to say that figure. It might, it's a little high, and I want y'all to say, oh, that's preacher figure in there. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up because that is a gigantic number. But if that's right, you're going to hear it, okay? <laughs> but it's not just financial resources that has increased. In fact, our church family has grown significantly over the last seven and a half years, uh, On my first Sunday in August of 2008, I pulled out the file. We had 172 people in Sunday school. And you can see the breakdown. Then I took um, the numbers from a couple of weeks ago, January 10th, and compared them side by side. We obviously have more departments, a lot more classes now. But if they were kind of grouped in the same way they were in 2008, this is about what it looks like. Preschool from 13 to 46. Children from 18 to 59, youth from 18 to 44, college from 5 to 8, young adults, 8, and and Elsie hadn't really started back yet, young adults 8 to 61, median adults 50 to 124, adults 27 to 44, senior adults 30 to 16, general officers 3 to 7, 172 as opposed to 409. That is a 138% increase. And we celebrate those numbers because those numbers represent people. And those numbers also represent organizations and ministries that are reaching those people. In fact, all of our Sunday school leadership is to be commended for that growth. In fact, what's probably most encouraging for us to consider is not the nickels and noses, but the multiplication of leadership that's happened and the multiplication of good leadership. Our leaders are so faithful It's wonderful to hear about a lesson being taught or ministry being carried out or new people being welcomed. And our Sunday school leaders know they're to reach and teach and minister to people. Uh, All of that happens beyond 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. My assistant Melinda and I sat down this week. We we took a a listing of all the Sunday school classes, and and I just said, here's some things that I've heard our Sunday school leaders doing. What are some things you've heard? It's just kind of an informal survey. Two people in the church, what what we've seen. And we saw that our preschool and children's leaders are so dedicated and good. The ladies in the bed baby room get so giddy when the room is full of babies. Uh, One of our newest preschool teachers told me last week that uh, she really misses her adult Sunday school class, but she doesn't think she could give up the the little kiddos now. And that's a testimony of the kind of heart that are taking care of our kids. Uh, Then there are those who minister to their kids long after they've left their classroom. We thought about Martha Clement, who is so good to always greet the kids that have been in her class and hug on them and love them and call them by name. She does that every Sunday with my son, Zachary, who's seven, who was in her class four years ago. 
It's wonderful to see those things happen. Uh, Beth Ingalls is so faithful to reinforce what's been taught and help parents know what's coming up in the kindergarten classroom. Uh, When you get to our children's department, we have five brand new Sunday school leaders in our children's department. And that's because we've gone from three classes to six classes in that area over the last several years. But we've added five new leaders just this year. We've added new leaders in RAs and GAs, and they are passionate about their ministries and doing a fine job of of reaching those boys and girls. And all of those folks do so well. And I think it's hard not to be motivated to pour into your class with someone like 90-year-old Miss Sarah Price who's still faithfully teaching every single week in the children's department. What a great example and a legacy to live up to. How is it? How, how can you say, well, I've taught a year, I'm going to quit now, when Miss Sarah's still sitting over there. It's like, well, I feel kind of bad to quit, you know. Our youth leaders, that's a great group of leaders as well, uh, from Sunday school to act teens to all of those ministries. We have great people there, and they really care. They don't just show up and teach a Sunday school class and go home and never connect with the students during the week. I hear them talking, and they're talking all during the week about how they can impact the kids and how they can take something they're learning and pour it into their lives. Now, obviously, we'd be here all day if we mentioned everyone that's doing something and the impact that's being made. But I do want to mention some of our adult leaders. When we're thinking about adults, certain things just came to mind. Like Miss Lenny Westbrook, who volunteers in our church office. But while she's there volunteering, answering phones, most weeks she's there also preparing her Sunday school lesson. Making sure it's ready for those senior adult ladies that she teaches. Every week I listen as Linda Kennedy and Ann Hyatt offer prayer requests either in our Tuesday morning prayer time or on Wednesday night. And it's all evident that they know exactly what's happening with the ladies in their class and they're praying for them and ministering to them. Uh, we thought about um, Herschel and Jenny Corley's class that rallied around our recent missionary residents, Gary and Kathy Ramey, and made them feel at home while they were away from home and transitioning from ministry overseas to now in Maine. Uh, thought about James and Pat Stewart's class who prepared gift baskets for numerous shut-ins at Christmas and then delivered them. And Love 3 that made snack bags for Parents Summit and provided about half of the boxes that our church gave for Operation Christmas Child. And it goes on and on from impact day projects to uh, care group leaders sending notes to uh, sitting with church members during surgeries. The ministry continues to take place as our Sunday school classes do life together, reaching, teaching, and ministering to people. They are helping us to truly be first. And I'm so proud of them. And so when you see one of your Sunday school leaders, encourage them. Lift them up and help them to keep pressing forward. But nothing can be more excited than new people welcomed into the family of God. Last year, we welcomed 37 people into our church family by letter or statement, but most exciting, we baptized 27 new believers. And that's just 15 of them on the screen. But let's give the Lord a hand for those kind of life transformations that have taken place. There are so many good things happening, especially behind the scenes kind of thing. This hasn't been a year where there were a lot of things you could say, look, we did this other than the building projects. Uh, There's just a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes with leadership and multiplication of of ministries and, and things like that going on. So the question then is, what is the word for the year to come? Well, it's built on this story from Second Chronicles, and that is that God will fulfill what he has promised. This year, we're going to see the completion of phase one of our master plan. Seven years ago, a $3.86 million building program was way beyond what anybody could have thought would be taking place. But we're about to see the completion of that in this year. If you're not currently giving, I'd encourage you to, to start helping us make way and that be a part of your giving over and above your regular uh, tithes and offerings. I'm so proud of the way that our church has generously supported this vision. It's certainly all needed, and that's probably why the, the, the ministry and funding has followed. Nobody can say, well, we don't need to do that. It's all so needed and been needed for years, and it's wonderful to see this enhanced ministry taking place. But we're going to get to see even more, I think. In this year than even completing phase one. 
I want to tell you about something pretty cool that's happened in the last couple of months. In 2015, one of our senior saints, Pauline Smith, passed away. That's a picture of Miss Pauline and I from uh, several years ago. Miss Pauline was our oldest, longest attending active member. Miss Pauline and her husband didn't have any children. Uh, her husband died several years ago. Uh, and so as she was preparing her estate some years ago, she decided that she was going to live a, leave a part of her estate to the church. That portion will be close to $350,000. She left that with no strings attached. She didn't say paint the church purple with pink polka dots or buy something we don't need or build something we don't need. She didn't do any of that. She just said, I want this percentage of my estate to go to my church because I love my church. So this next year, we're going to be able to accomplish some part of our master plan, I think, in addition to uh, phase one with those resources. We've already planned to use part of that to purchase chairs for our time of worship in the gym. That was one of the big questions. When we worship in the gym, what are we going to sit on? Because we don't have enough chairs. Well, God will fulfill. God has provided a way for us to purchase those chairs, and then those chairs are going to replace the older uh, orange chairs that are around the campus everywhere that are, that are falling apart by the week. Uh, we'll also be able to do something else. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do, very significant and visible in memory of J.D. and Pauline Smith, but one idea that we're looking into is the new playground that's currently in Phase 2, but it would be behind the three-story education building, brand-new state-of-the-art playground with a nice fence around it, a, a clean surface so the kids can go play and not get dirty uh, during church with new playground equipment and shade screens. Um, would be a, a wonderful thing. We're discussing what's the best use of the funds and and what would best honor the Smiths. But what a reminder that God will fulfill what he has promised. And what a wonderful reminder to all of us that we can impact the ministry of our church long beyond our lifetime by giving back out of our state. Another step that we're going to take in 2016 is a full-time children's minister. Uh, We actually started talking about this shift almost two years ago. In fact, the last three State of the Church addresses have talked about it. But this year, we are going to make this step. We've been escrowing money for this uh, move. Our Children's Minister Search Committee is together. They're actively seeking God's person to lead our children's ministry in the coming years. And and you need to pray for them. Uh, Serving on a search committee, if you've ever done it, for any staff position, you know it is one of the hardest scariest and important jobs in the church. Added to that, you have to keep everything confidential, and yet everybody in the church wants to know what's going on. And everybody in the church has an opinion about what should go on. And it is one of the hardest jobs you can have in the church. So pray for this committee that's doing due diligence. The the Committee on Committees recommended a wonderful uh, committee to the church. And they have the right heart. They have great vision. Uh, They're seeking God every step of the way. And I'm confident that God will fulfill what he has promised. God will fulfill. A little over seven years ago, 175 of us or so, had a vision for rebuilding. And over the course of the past years, a lot of things have happened. Some of the things have gone better than we expected. Some have gone slower than we expected. Some are just now finally coming about. Some that we thought we'd already be doing are still a little bit in the future. But each thing has come in God's timing and according to his provision as he provided in his timing to fulfill his vision for our church. And so the reminder as we move forward into this year is that God will fulfill. And so I think this morning, as we conclude this message time, we need to celebrate what God has done and is doing, just as Solomon did. And so as we celebrate this morning, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer and lift up a prayer of praise to the Lord for what he's done. Our Father, we come before you this morning and we are thankful We are a grateful people, God, because when we stop and we look back and we compare today to yesterday, we can see that you have moved in a mighty way. You have fulfilled what you promised to us. You have been faithful every day to bring us to where you want us to be. And we're grateful, God, that your vision is being fulfilled. 
God, for the last seven years, you've been providing new members who have helped fulfill that vision. We thank you, God, for every person that you've led to be a part of this church. You've been assembling a staff that could, could lead us in each step of the way. And we thank you, God, for the staff that you've brought to lead our church. God, we, you've been uh, providing the resources that are needed. And we thank you, God, for those financial resources. And we ask that we would be good stewards of that at every step of the way. You've provided everything we've needed to fulfill your vision for our church. And so, God, we say thank you. Lord, we thank you for the lives that have been transformed, those that have been baptized, those who have have, uh, rededicated their lives, those who have been called to ministry and even sent out in ministry. We thank you, God, that we can look around our campus now and see physically the rebuilding and restoration that you've been bringing spiritually. And we pray, God, that we will never again get in the shape this church used to be in. May we always move forward. May we keep our eyes on you. We pray a hedge of protection around our church family. We pray a hedge of protection around all of our staff members. And we pray, God, that the flaming darts of the evil one would never again impact this church. May this church be strong and vigilant in the faith. May we be true and responsible with carrying out your vision. May we preach your word with power and with conviction and with clarity and with truth. May we never compromise. May we walk completely in your steps. And may we know beyond a shadow of a doubt every time we meet together that you are present in this place. May when we leave this place, may we take a word into this community. May it be a transformational word that brings life change to people. Whether it's our personal testimony, whether it's a story about what you've done in our church, whether it's a word from Scripture, whatever comes from our mouths, may it be used in transformational ministry in this community. Lord, may Central Louisiana know that First Baptist Church Pineville is alive, active, well, full of the Holy Spirit, and seeing you do incredible things again. We thank you, God, for the opportunities you've given us to impact ministry in this state through conferences we've hosted, through special events we've been a part of. And we pray that that kind of ministry would continue as we're able to encourage not only our own region, but also churches throughout our state. Thank you, God, for what you've done. We look forward to what you will continue to do. And we give you praise today, saying, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Continue to do great and mighty things. Build up your name and make your name great through the people called First Baptist Church Pineville, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.